Welcome to Healthcare Upside Down with your host, Dr. Nick Vanterhaven, and brought to you by ECG Management Consultants. You can learn more about the show on the program's page at healthcarenowradio.com or on our blog at ecgmc.com slash hud. The U.S. spends more on healthcare per capita than any other country on the planet. So why don't we have superior outcomes? Why haven't the principles of capitalism prevailed? And why do American consumers have so much trouble accessing and paying for healthcare? Each week, Healthcare Upside Down will dive into these and other issues with ECG principal, Dr. Nick, and guest panelists as they discuss the upsides and downsides of healthcare in the U.S. and how to make the system work for everyone. And we end with your better pill to swallow, the conclusion to today's episode with insights on challenges and changes that improve healthcare. Now here's your host, Dr. Nick. For some, it might be hard to cast their mind back to the experience of taxis. I can recall phones that were installed at hospitals that offered a direct line to the local taxi company in the lobby of our hospital. There was probably some sponsorship or money that changed hands as this was not the only taxi company nearby but somehow they managed to get preferential placement. That was your line to obtain a ride from the hospital to your destination, and it came with frustrating wait times and a certain fear that the fare might exceed the available cash in your wallet, or for some, just available cash. There was also a taxi rank nearby many hospitals, at least in major city centres like London where I first trained, and they were filled with the iconic black cab. But setting foot in one of those was something of a roller coaster ride. Not in terms of driving, but for financial reasons. That meter always seemed to have a mind of its own and kept ticking forwards, sometimes at alarming rates for reasons that were hard to understand as a passenger. This open-ended bill was stressful, but that was what was available. Some firms did combat this with fixed-priced rides based on your providing them with a destination, but that breed of service came with its own set of roller coaster experiences. Then, along came Uber, but in case you don't remember, it had a similar approach to pricing. It solved the friction of ordering a ride, but not the open-ended billing. There was a price per mile, and it was just a digital version of the same stress, until it wasn't. Uber made the leap to fixed pricing, and yes, there is still variability with surge pricing, but the model provided you with the price when you book the ride. From the moment of booking, you are certain of the cost to step into that ride, even if traffic holds you up or there are delays. Any idling fees or additions have already been factored in. I doubt anyone wants to step back to the open-ended pricing anymore. I know I don't. We've been acclimatized to taxis and obtaining rides and your best experience anywhere becomes your expectation everywhere. I expect to know what something will cost ahead of buying it and to be able to pay for it easily. But somehow, healthcare continues to be a laggard. Despite the price transparency regulations that are in effect, patients continue to be shocked and frustrated by surprised and or unexpected bills that can and do crush many into medical debt. There is a better way, as we know with other industries and sectors. So why is that not the healthcare experience we are all able to get? Join me on the Healthcare Upside Down show as I talk with Dr. Florian Otto, 
who is the co-founder and CEO of CEDA. Hi, Florian. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Nick. So uh, you had a pretty awful experience. Um, I, I'm going to say not especially unusual based on my experience and certainly the network that I have. But I think it sort of sets the basis for the discussion. Tell us briefly what happened and, you know, where the failures were, at least from your perspective. Yeah, very happy to talk about that. So, so what led me to start Cedar was uh, back in 2015, where my wife had a really bad experience in New York. So we live right in the center of Manhattan, which definitely, I think, is a developed and urban environment. Uh, she fainted on the street, which happens to young women um, from time to time, and then um, got admitted to the emergency room. Um, got extremely well cared by the doctors. Really, the, phys the, the physician staff was absolutely amazing. But immediately, while she was literally lying there, and we were, of course, still very disturbed and uh, and, and nervous, literally um, a billing um, staff came and charged us the co-payment. So far, so good. We were we were shocked by that, but okay, that needs to be part of the game. But then a month later, we got the first invoice. Uh, she got discharged. Everything is fine. Got the first invoice from the hospital. Literally everything was in codes, CPT or ENM or DRG codes, which we couldn't understand. It was extremely painful for her to pay because she needed to go through a portal, log into the portal, set up an account, and then pay the bill. One month later came the next bill, which was literally from the imaging center. Um, just a separate bill. And they just had literally a slip of paper where she could fill in her credit card information and then mail it back. And then half a year later, um, a debt collector called her for a bill that she never received from the lab company. So it was, of course, she, she, she never thought of the visit anymore. So she changed her address. We moved in together. And then um, it was, um, yeah, she landed a bad debt collection. And then the interesting piece happened. She basically told me, hey, Florian, never take me back to that hospital. And then I basically asked, okay, what? I understand the billing was really messed up. I understand it. But what was the issue? She says, okay, if the billing is so messed up, I lost trust in the entire healthcare system. And I'm afraid of going there back. So that really resonated with me because, of course, trust is consistency over time. And that completely broke her trust. So and then, of course, we, we looked, okay, is that a more common problem? And we, we saw, yes, this is a very, very common problem in the US. I think 50 million people have a bad credit score because of medical debt. Yeah, so you, you bring up a number of points. And, you know, I think trust is a foundation with our interaction with any system, but in particular, the healthcare system, because you are so vulnerable with that interaction um, you know, the closeness, the deep personal interaction, it's an essential component. And, you, you know, as you rightly point out, any break elsewhere. So not in fact, in the clinical interaction, as you described, it was very positive, but it was the financial exchange. And importantly, the failure of the system to actually deliver bills uh, appropriately so that they could be paid, albeit, let's be clear, from a, uh, a context standpoint, the idea that somebody in a vulnerable circumstance, um, having just had some experience that uh, landed them in an emergency room, the idea that a billing person comes um, and interacts with you, to me, is quite horrifying. And at least my understanding of the US healthcare system is that's not supposed to happen, but clearly did. 
So you've set up a company that essentially tries to resolve that. Tell us what that's doing and how you're approaching this. Yes, Nick, and I, I totally agree with you. And it's, of, of, of course, a little bit strange that two, two foreigners tell right now what is broken in, in, U, in U.S. Um, healthcare system on the financial side. But I totally, of course, agree with you that it was a shocking situation for my wife. And the, I mean, the good news is we can afford it, right? So it was not an existential threat for us, but it was still, of course, disturbing, as you said. So back to your question right now on what, what we basically try to do is, is the following. We strongly believe that the consumer of the healthcare system is no different consumer that shops on Amazon, that hails the Uber, or that books the trip on Expedia. There's no difference. It's the same human being. So what do those people want, the modern consumer? They want transparency. They want convenience. They want, of course, to have everything mobile first. And they want to have something that is affordable. So why should the billing experience be different? And we did one just very, very stupid example. Just literally go on Yelp or Google reviews and see the reviews for the healthcare system. And it's mostly the same. Amazing clinical staff, great nurses, great doctors, maybe even fancy buildings. But usually the administrative side is pretty broken. And... I think there is this saying that that your best experience anywhere becomes your expectation everywhere. And I strongly believe in that. So when the consumer right now is, is hailing the Uber, Uber knows where you want to go before you open the app. Or Nick, when you right now open your Amazon account, the recommendations that you get are different from mine because we have different preferences, different human beings, right? So we feel personalized by this app, of course. And then how convenient is it, literally with the one click to pay to buy something? We strongly believe that healthcare should be exactly the same like that, especially on the administrative side. So we started the company in order to bring at least the billing experience um, uh, to make it very transparent, very easy, very mobile, very personalized. So everybody gets a different bill at a different time through a different channel with different follow-ups based on yeah, the individual preferences. So that the patients can really um, can can really focus on getting healthy again and not need to worry about this administrative experience. So I, there are some challenges for me in all of this when I, I look at the healthcare system and go, this is essentially filled with highly sophisticated people, highly sophisticated billing and financial folks, and yet they're failing at the delivery of some very basic services despite having all of those resources. And I struggle to understand that. Why is it that they can't deliver, let's be clear, a, a clear uh, understanding of what it's gonna cost? And you know, recognize you know, your particular case, somebody fainted, could be multiple things, and there's obviously lots of different costs, but at least some indication. There is nothing, although, we have a transparency rule now. So we're solving that problem with transparency, right? Because I can go look it up and say, well, this is what I expect, right? <laughs> you wishful thinking, Nick, <laughs> but, but, but let's see. So, so, so there's a lot to unpack here. So I think first let's acknowledge the system is extremely complex. Why is that? Because there's so many different healthcare plans and each of them has different groups. Each of those plans have different negotiations with every single provider. 
there are tens of thousands of different charge codes. And then, of course, the healthcare provider also needs on where the patient is on their out-of-pocket maximum. So this is extremely complex. Let's acknowledge that. The second piece, I think, of the problem is that there are some procedures where you definitely don't know on how much something will cost because you don't know what will be done. And in a fee-for-service model, it is then impossible to predict something. Like example, you go to the emergency room, your belly hurts. You don't know whether that's a spasm in the diaphragma or a pancreas carcinoma. Very different indications, right? So you cannot really say that. But we believe that 70 to 80% of the procedures are actually planable and you should be able to gauge on how much that costs. And then maybe the last aspect, um, I think is just the, the technology infrastructure. That's pretty antiquated in healthcare systems. And very often leaders of healthcare systems, they are physicians by training like you and me, Nick. And um, we physicians, we are trained not to take risks, which makes total sense in the patient care. You do not want to take risks. However, on the business and administrative side, it is risky not to take risks. So you actually want to try something new. You want to innovate. You want to apply a new technology, partner with a new company in order to try something. And those make it very, very difficult, I think, for health systems to adopt something that very clearly the consumer wants. Consumers want transparency. They want ease. They want affordability. And they, of course, want to have everything mobile friendly. So I'm a consumer. I agree with you. But I think the health systems disagree with you. And I think part of the problem is that they don't want transparency. Their ability to obfuscate the billing, the pricing, is part of what we've seen in enormous resistance to that transparency. Are you able to solve for that or are you still fighting that same problem? Yeah, it's very good, uh, very good comment that you say. And I would say it's, it's partially true, of course, especially on the insurance payment side. So let's maybe distinguish what is price transparency on the contracted rate between provider and payer? And what is price transparency between provider and the consumer? In my opinion, price transparency for the consumer at some point has to come because high deductible healthcare plans, as we know, are on the rise. Why is that? Because companies' profits are growing slower than healthcare expenses. So the companies just need to shift more burden to the consumers. That will happen. Um, the average American, so more than 50% of the American, cannot afford more than $500 on unexpected expenses. So if right now somebody needs to go to the hospital and gets the option to go somewhere else, to the ambulatory surgery center or imaging center, for a lower out-of-pocket cost, they will be going there. Let's be very clear. Um, patients want it as well. So we have seen that patients, when you give them the option to have more convenience at a lower cost for standard procedures, they will do it. We need to distinguish what is standard procedures and what is, I would say, commodity. If you want a chest x-ray, you probably go for convenience and price. If you right now have a very difficult disease that might be very rare, you don't care about convenience or, um, or, um, or efficiency you, or price. You literally just care about the quality of the care. So I strongly about the consumer really cares at some point. Some health systems, of course, they want to protect their brand. Of course, not easy because you have an, an, an information asymmetry on the quality side. It is very, very difficult to really assess the quality. 
So I, I, again, I agree with you from a consumer standpoint, and anybody that listens or follows me knows that I talk extensively about you know the the inability to navigate a system that, quite frankly, has brought me to tears uh, personally from you know some of the um, challenges of being obstructed through a process that doesn't care or appears not to care. Um, and I'm looking at this and going, well. Yeah, that's great. So it, it potentially applies some level of, you know, I would gay, say consolidation. But as I think about this from a, a health system standpoint, are they not liberating control? And then you potentially start to become a, uh, a an economic funnel or director for care because you're now offering information that others do not, which to me would be a resistance point. Are you finding that or are people wanting to work with you? No, the, the interesting piece, what we actually see with healthcare systems, they acknowledge that if they are not transparent with their pricing, patients won't come to them at some point. And I, I wanna say an analogy, for example, what happened to a company everybody knows like Uber. You remembered probably in the beginning, Nick, when you took your Uber, they told you how much a minute cost and how much the mile cost, right? It was a certain rate. We, we even don't remember how much it was. Every single time you got in the Uber, you got nervous because you had no idea how much they will charge you. Okay, they switched it to a fixed price for a certain ride. What do you think happened to conversion and to their business? It went through the roof, completely through the roof. Customer satisfaction went through the roof and their business went through the roof. Why is that? because all of a sudden you're selling peace of mind. Or you might remember also, Nick, when you had a cell phone and paid per minute, per text, and for, I don't know, just to have the line, and then they switch it to a flat rate. Consumers love the flat rate. It's not that it became cheaper, but you became literally at the peace of mind. And that will happen in healthcare as well. You have, of course, all of these new entrants right now in the market, right? The private equity funded or the the one medicals and uh, and 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 so on that either have literally just a capitation, and um, and it was um, I think they are literally put the pressure on the healthcare system. So there's no way back. So I I think great points, and you, you know you're right. I, I it's it's. I'm casting my mind back at this point to, to truly remember that price per mile, but you don't need to think about Uber actually for that. It was just to sit in the New York taxi and what that <laughs> was <watch laughs> the thing clicking over, which was huge stress depending on your particular financial stability. And I think that's a, a great point, that sort of element of control. The piece that for me is missing, and I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts around this, it's that the, the I, you said it at the beginning, we have this enormous medical debt. You cited the problem, people with less than $500, and I am guarantee there's almost no high deductible plan that has $500 as, you know. So we're not solving the problem of that gap for the instances where I think the cost vastly exceeds, you know, the, the shock horror of s some terrible diagnosis or inappropriate delivery of care. How do you think we address that as part of this? Is, is there some scope to start to narrow that gap so that we don't put people into medical debt? Yes, um, it's, it's a very sad reality that you shared. And what is the fundamental problem in this country? The poorest people have the highest deductible 
and the richest people have the lowest deductible. Mm -hmm. So let's just understand, does that make any sense? Of course not, right? In every single insurance, if you have the means, you should have a high deductible. That is the fundamental problem. This system is designed the wrong way, period. That's just what it is. But of course, we can literally patch it. I cannot change the system, but I can at least patch it and help those patients that don't have the means through following ways. The first is, for example, um, finding assistance is extremely difficult for patients. Usually when you, they don't have the money to pay for it, they are ashamed and afraid to talk to a patient counselor. And that is really something that breaks my heart. They want digital solutions to navigate them through it. Um, there are so many gig workers right now that jump in and drop out of Medicaid or financial assistance program. Salary just changes. That is something, and it's very difficult to re-enroll in these plans. So having a technology solution that helps with that, CEDAR is also addressing that. And then, of course, even something like um, asking for payment plans right away. So when we determine that a patient, because we know their financial ability, we know their zip code, we know their past payment history, we know whether it's a blue color or white color healthcare plan. And then when the bill is $800 or, 10, or, or I don't know, $900, we would not ask for one click to pay $900. We would ask for pay as little as $50 every other week to make it digestible for that. So we strongly believe patients want to pay their bill if it's easy, if it's convenient, if it's simple, transparent, and they are able to do it. But most of the people want to pay their bill. Yeah, I, I, I would just add, the one thing I would say is uh, uh, the word that you missed in that was fair. As long as the bill is fair, when you compare that, and that you know goes back to the transparency. But I think that's exactly right. You know. It's not that you enter into this interaction with an intent not to pay, you know, and I've had some, as you described, great clinical experiences and then horrific sort of tail end. And I feel tragic for the physicians, the clinicians that have delivered that care because ultimately it reflects on them. And it goes back to the point that I think you brought up right at the beginning, which is trust. We have to maintain that trust and it's throughout the system. Um, Florian, thanks for joining me today. Thanks so much for having me, Nick. Really appreciate it. So removing complexity from the experience is more than just a nice to have. As you heard, the financial experience contributes disproportionately to the bad reviews and poor ratings many clinical services receive. Those same reviews impact revenues and more importantly detract from what might be an exceedingly good care experience but gets ranked poorly. Your better pill to swallow is to hide the complexity and friction that exists in a healthcare system design that we must all work with from the patient. Deliver a fair, convenient, integrated, friction-free request for payment for the service at the price you provided when you first interacted with the patient. Your patients will thank you, as will your own staff. Thanks for joining me, your host, Dr. Nick, on this week's edition of Healthcare Upside Down. Until next week, keep solving the business of healthcare as if your life depended on it, as one day soon, it will. That's all the time we have for today. You can find all of our episodes on your favorite listening platform by searching for Healthcare Now Radio. Also, check out our blog at ecgmc.com hud for summaries and commentary from each episode. Follow our show's social hashtag 
HC upside down. And join us each week as we work to solve the business of healthcare for everyone. Thank you.